condition, my condition was in. I woke up this morning with the sundown shining in. Where's the money, Lebowski? Where's the f***ing money, head? Oh, it's, uh, oh, oh, it's down there somewhere. Let me take another look. I found my mind in a brown paper bag. Yeah, Mr. Andrew on the board, his first time, he's going to do fine. S&P futures are down 750, Nasdaq futures down 39. We were up last night, and we're not anymore. Uh, even though we appear to have a tentative settlement on his railroad strikes, we've got uh, Union Pacific up 8 bucks. It's up almost 4%, so I'd say that is very good news. It's also good news that we have Mr. Uh, Wayne Matson, do we? We'll have him back in a second, I'm sure. I'm, uh, I'm I, uh, just as, uh, um, <laughs> the uh, amazing thing about, uh, uh, yesterday's shooting, well, uh, it took me a while to get home last night. I'll explain this why. At North and, North and Halsted, right near an Apple store, evidently, this is how bad it's getting in Chicago. Uh, some guy or guys jump out of the car and start robbing this old guy outside the Apple store. Broad daylight. So the mayor of Harvey, Illinois, somehow must live down there or something. He's got his security detail, which I'm not sure why he is that in the city, but he does. His guys come out to try and save the guy getting robbed. The The guy doing the robbing pulls out a gun, starts shooting. They shoot back. Huge, like, old west shootout in the midst of a very crowded street with a subway station and, a, and an Apple store. You shoot out the back of the the guy's Jeep Cherokee, and off he goes, uh, no rest, at least as of now. All these million cameras, all this stuff, and uh, it, it's it's really something. So I uh, on Wednesday night, sometimes I meet some uh, uh, attorney people and, and a couple of judges, and uh, last night it was a sparse crowd, but one of the attorneys says to me, it's something like 25, 30 shootings. I, I'll get the exact number here. Um... Wayne, how are you, bud? Uh, I don't think he's ready. Um, last last weekend we had thirty-five people wounded and not one or shot, not one arrest. I mean, that's that's where it's where it's getting here. I don't quite uh, understand why, but uh, and we have everybody in denial. Every time you say something about it, the, the mayor thinks you're being racist instead of just saying we don't want people getting killed here. It's it's impossible to have any sort of a colorblind attitude towards anything here. It's absolutely insane. I don't I don't I don't I can't imagine that this is happening. And it and that you know, if if the if person shooting somebody's white, we can't arrest them because he's white or if he's black, we can't arrest him because he's I mean why don't we just arrest people that shoot people and not care what color they are? I don't I'm 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 totally at a loss for this, but 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 I keep thinking it's gonna get better and it's not. It's it's getting worse. So hopefully we'll get Wayne on here in a minute. We can talk about what you know where some of this is coming from the national side or whatever, and why why is it that uh, we seem to have a total loss of any any kind of law and order anywhere? And uh, and I'm not a law and order guy, but uh, it sure seems like uh, you know t- in today's world. But just go through a couple of headlines here before Wayne uh, shows up. I'm sure we'll get him here in a second. Uh, yesterday we were down. We were back a little bit in the market. We were. Uh, we were, we came back 30 in the Dow, 13 in the S&P, and 86 in the Nasdaq. But that was, I mean, not even close to the day before. I mean, the S&P had been down like 170 or something, and Nasdaq was down 700. So we came back, you know, maybe 5%. Uh, 
of the loss. So that's, you know, not, not so good. Now today we're... All right, Wayne, we have you for sure this time, bud? Yeah, absolutely. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How are you? You know, I, I could I could complain, but I heard the complaints department is closed this week. Yeah, yeah, you know, nobody really wants... They ask you how you are. And you, remember, the, remember the commercial where the... Uh, uh, you know, when you greet people, you go, how you doing? And everybody just keeps, yeah. keeps walking, and they had a commercial. I forget it was a Bud Light or who it was, where a guy actually would sit there and would uh, start telling you how, you, how he was doing. Yeah, right. <laughs> I remember looking yeah. look at him yeah. and go, what's this guy doing? <laughs> we don't yeah. really care how he's yeah. doing. <laughs> and he just, that's just the way it is. Um, I hear you were, the, you were the guy who solved the railroad strike last night. Well, I was going to say, uh, you know, when I when I heard about a rail strike, I thought I I slipped into a time machine and wound up back in the '60s. You know, when's the last time did we hear about a rail strike? Uh, you know, it goes back to the days of the of the uh, steel strikes and the uh, miners' strikes, and we had the rail strikes, and you know, um, but I guess they did settle it. Um, well, yeah, and I don't know that uh, I'll I'll get the word today because one of my one of our listeners uh, uh, is works for the rail and he's been keeping me up to date on this like the whole way and, and it, you know it's funny uh, when we talk about a lot of stuff on the show and you've been on a bunch of times and I mean my my theme if there is one <laughs> people would say there is no theme to this show uh, that my theme if there is one is everything sort of depends on everything else and there is only like one subject. You know, and everything we talk, if we talk about hospitalization, we talk about something else. They all they all tie in together at the end of the day, right? And uh, it's funny when I, I first got this this flash, or lack of a better term, is when I was in uh, grad school in Chicago doing my MBA, and I got the uh, the point where if you, if, you, if you get to the point where you're doing kind of advanced finance, advanced accounting, and advanced marketing, at some point in like your last semester or quarter, you go, if you do it right, it's all the same subject, right? Right. I mean, there, there really isn't. <coughs> if your accounting's messed up, your marketing can't be good. If your marketing's messed up, your finance can't be good. I mean, it's all the same subject. It either all works or it doesn't. And uh, but when I, when I, with the, from what I'm hearing with the guys is, if you look at this contract, the biggest, the biggest number there is that uh, they're going to go from what 135,000 all in with benefits and everything to basically 165,000. Right, so the f- the first thing I mean you should the, should land on you is that roughly thirty well not that not the difference but roughly thirty five thousand of the number or more are benefits mostly hospitalization right. so right and so over a long period of time what my people tell me is that the company has been looking to company the railroads which are a monopoly I mean it's pretty hard for somebody to yeah. negotiate against them every one of them well okay they're they're close to being a monopoly in whatever area they are, oligopoly for sure, or cartel. And uh, so they've, they've been systematically letting people retire, not replace them. And the new thing, and that you are in this, so to where they want to minimize the amount of people. Well, the problem is they've got some of these work rules that says you can only, you know, whatever, drive the train, for lack of a better term, 10 hours, 12 hours, whatever it is in a day. If there's a big, if there's a derailment or something, You've got to essentially, you know, abandon the locomotive. You got to go pick the guy up and bring somebody else out there to turn in, turn the thing on, and go further, right? So what they've done is they put everybody on essentially twenty four seven work call for for like the whole year, 
And, yeah. and if you, if you, according to what he said, and I'm not sure if everybody really does this, but according to what I, I'm just reporting what I hear, is that, is that if, you, if you don't show up twice, you're canned, or three times or something. So they're using yeah. that as a way to... So the work rules, what has happened to these guys, in the old days, the work rules benefited the union. You know, if the electrician didn't show up to turn on the lights in the factory, nobody would work. Right? You know, that kind of crap. But yeah. it's kind of swung the other way, I think, in a lot of these areas. And how do, the guy says you, you can't even you can't even plan on going to a ball game for a weekend. You know, because you get called, you got to go. I mean, you're, you're on. Right. I mean, you and I know that when you work for NSA or for me, I mean, if one of my clients calls me on a Saturday, I guess I'm on duty. But it's not the same as a client being able to call you and say. Hey, be out here in ten minutes. <laughs> be out here in ten minutes because you know I got a brother-in-law in town, and you got to meet with the guy. I mean, I might want to go to meet a new client. Yeah. But it's yeah. not. It's not the same as you actually are on call. I mean, it's you know, and it's, you're right. And the scary thing is too mentioning airlines. Uh, I, I believe I've I've read that they're doing the same thing with the airlines with flight attendants and and pilots. Uh, after they retire, they. Uh, you know, it's like the, uh, the the train operators. You 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 have you're limited, and you know how many hours you're you're flying or working, and and you know, and with flight attendants, people sometimes forget their their primary responsibility is is safety, yeah. not bringing you a, a bag of potato chips or a or a, you know a cocktail, and uh, and you know when you have that situation with airlines. That, you know, I think it's like the trains. You know, you plane crash derailment because you got an over overly tired, uh, um, you know, um, workforce. Well, I think that's part of it. I, actually, it was. There's a. If you ever come back to Chicago, I'll, I'll take you to a couple of places that are still open downtown. There aren't very many. Maybe there's a place downstairs in the building, and uh, the ladies who work there all have. A, let's just say they all have a story. Is, is that a good way to say it, Wayne? Well, well one of them's a one of them's a flight attendant, and I said, "Well, how, yeah. come, how come how come you're not flight attending?" And she goes, "I called in sick." And I go, "What'd you do that for? You don't you don't look sick to me. I mean, that, that's old school, right? You only call in sick when you're sick. Yeah. Of course, that that's not the way of the world anymore. But uh, it used to be like if you were, if you're dead in, dead in your bed, you'd be called in sick. And she goes, "Well, yeah. she goes, I was supposed to fly, you know, somewhere in South Carolina or someplace." She goes, I know that there wasn't a there was not a crew coming back. And I didn't want to spend uh, three days in South Carolina. I said, Well, I, I, I can't say that I blame her for that. No, me uh, neither. <laughs> yeah. Um so wait, what what is uh we've got the people now, everybody's making political hay everything. They show up with about five buses of refugees here in Chicago and a couple in the suburbs, and now of course Pritzker, I don't know what his issue is. No, he's calling out the National Guard to take care of the five buses of people. Uh, <laughs> you know, it, it, I don't. And, and the I was just before you came on, we we're having the technical issues. I was talking about the shootings the last couple of days in Chicago and how it took me forever to get home last night because you know where you know where North and No Halsted is, right? Right where the Apple Store is and the uh, the subway oh, yeah. stop. Well, like three thirty in the afternoon yesterday, um, some some. Car. It's always a. It's always a jeep for some reason. It's 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 the yeah. it's, it's the hoodlum car of choice. Jeep stops, jumps out right in front of the Apple Store, and tries to rob this old guy at gunpoint. It's the middle of the day, and there's got to be how many how many people, how many cameras around there. There is there is zero fear, zero fear. Huh. And so of course the mayor of Harvey of all people 
must live in that area, not in Harvey, which is, you know, another story. He's got his security detail. They try and break up the robbery. The guy starts shooting at them. They shoot back. There's this big old west shooting and this incredibly busy area in the middle of a Wednesday afternoon. I mean, this is... Yeah. Then, of course, the guy gets away. And with 9,000 cameras on the Apple Store and every other damn place, we don't we can't arrest the guy. Right? We don't know who the hell he is. And last yeah. weekend, my... I don't know if you were around when I said this, but... My attorney buddies told me that with the how many sh- shootings there were last weekend, like forty or something, not one arrest. There's no there's no business for the judges and the attorneys. Yeah. Nobody get. I mean, wait, and, and yet and yet we have the leadership here is totally in denial. Like this is this is okay. What are you talking about? It's five percent better than it was last year. I'm doing a good job. What 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 planet are these people from, Wayne? I mean, I don't I don't get it. I'm not, I'm not talking about both sides of the aisle. What what where, where do they where where do they get yeah, their I, news? I, I don't know. I, I look at the, I, I just look at the body politic of the United States right now, and it seems like it's on life support. Um, I, I spent a lot of time in the Navy in Norfolk, Virginia, and I, I always thought, well, Norfolk, you know, you know, is a pretty secure area. All the, uh, uh, you know, you have more than one Navy. You got the main naval base. You got naval air station. You got the uh, uh, amphibious base at Little Creek, and and uh, I just called the other day with the local congresswoman who represents Norfolk and Virginia Beach uh, has had to have a uh, 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 an enhanced security detail provided to her for local law enforcement because of the death threat she's receiving. I mean, when I I and maybe some other air where that be. Uh, necessary, but I was just shocked that it was North Virginia, having spent so much uh, time there. Service. Yeah, I don't. Uh, it's. I mean, I don't. I don't know what the normal aldermen and people are doing here. Uh, I went to a, a fundraiser for ladies been on a show a couple times. Uh, Karen Reeves, and she was running for Bobby Rush's spot, and he was endorsing her, and and Bobby showed up by himself. I mean, he didn't. Uh, he didn't even look to me like he. I'm, actually, I'm kind of surprised because he's getting up there and he's driving himself. But uh, um, you know, maybe he could have used the guy. But that's another story. No, he, he showed up by himself. He didn't look like he was afraid. I mean, but it's yeah. But it, but we're, we're in his weirdo times. I mean, this is the, the and the, the the mayor keeps popping out with these numbers. But the, the difference is, it's broad daylight now. It's everywhere in the city. Wait, it's you, not, know, you know the old saying. There's there's lies. Damn lies and statistics. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> sometimes politicians forget that you know when you start throwing numbers around, they really don't mean much. When you know um, you you got like you can talk about you know economic numbers, but if you you're paying six dollars a gallon gas, people aren't going to really pay much attention to the the economic uh, data. They're going to say you know six bucks at the, at the pump. Of course, gas prices are coming down now. Well, when how much did you? Uh, I mean, you do because you, you know, you, as of habit, in your training, you follow all this news. This this whole economic situation in this picture that they've painted over the last two administrations with the COVID and coming on the tail, in my opinion, of, of a sneaky inflation for twelve years before it. It's it's basically a goat bleep for the economy, and yet you have yeah. a, a million people. Talking about, uh, we'll go back to this railroad uh, contract. They're going to get twenty four percent, 
over five years. Okay? Mm-hmm. And they're getting a, a, a chunk up front because they haven't gotten a raise in two years. Wayne, that's below the inflation rate. How's that a win for those people? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't... And then, uh, you know, living here in Florida, of course, uh, you know, a lot of people are on Social Security. We we have uh, our senator, former governor, Rick Scott, talking about cutting Social Security and Medicare. I mean... I'll date myself here, but I remember there was a congressman from Florida who had been a U.S. senator. He came back in the House, took sort of like a downgrade, named Claude Pepper. And Claude Pepper was actually one of the people involved in passing Social Security um, when FDR was president. And, 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 And Pepper was so much of an advocate for Social Security uh, in Congress, there was sort of like something was developed uh, called the Pepper Rule. You never question uh, Social Security, and then after Johnson uh, initiated Medicare, you don't question that because uh, it's a it's a killer. You're going to get in trouble with the unions. You're going to get in trouble with the elderly people retired, and and now we've got in in a state like Florida, Rick Scott talking about cutting. Medicare and Social Security to the point where Mitch McConnell, the minority leader, had to had to like really, um, um, in his own way, badmouth him in public, which you know, again, isn't isn't very normal. What uh, we've had, you know, everybody assumes that the midterm elections are going to be a landslide for the Republicans, and I, I suspect they're they're going to gain. But there was a Republican guy on. Uh, face the nation a couple of weeks ago and he said it should be a landslide for us but it's not going to be because in a lot of primaries we've we've run in people that are totally unelectable um, that's right and i think the abortion the abortion issue i i mean i i i've met lindsey graham and he's a weird guy um but i just cannot fathom why he why he a few actually a few days after he said it Abortion should be left up to the states. Then he sponsors a federal abortion ban, um, which I think, uh, with with what he did and what's going on in some of the states, um, I think uh, we may see a, a, a Democratic landslide because women, um, registered women, are I mean, thirty five percent increase in in women registering to vote in in key these key states where these senate races are arizona florida um and um uh, texas and other states so uh you you throw 35 percent uh women in there who are going to you know have the scalpel out for the for the republicans i i think we could see some surprises in the election well the pollsters never bargained for you know the problem too is is pollsters uh, a lot of them are calling landlines and if you're doing that in a place like florida and you're you're calling a landline uh the chances are you're 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 talking to people like up in the villages which is a notorious place like maybe 90 percent republican up there all all retired people well you're not going to get really um satisfactory poll results 
calling on landlines to places like that. Well, on the on the abortion issue, I I'm going to link this together with the uh, the the the, the uh, we're ruling on your the likeness for college players. And I uh, now we say, what the hell? <laughs> What's the connection there? Even the just chief guys having trouble with this one. Supreme Court makes these decisions, and I don't I don't I mean I guess they're supposed to be making legal decisions, which I question whether they really do or not, but. Uh, they they're supposed to be, but they don't seem to have any clue behind those robes of what the what the ramifications of their of their decision is. I mean, clearly, when they did the thing about college athletics, it's it probably is legal the, the right decision, but they must have realized that they're the the can of worms that they were opening up, or should have realized it, it's absolute chaos in 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 in, in, in uh, college athletics now. There are no rules. People are pushing it. There's, there's no NCAA's all of a sudden not even going to be able to be the rules agent because they're, they're totally behind the, the eight ball here. And <clears throat> is that what you really want? I mean, the same thing with this abortion. Yeah. I don't know Roe versus Wade, whatever. I mean, I you know I'm not going to. I have my own opinions, but I'm gonna, I'm going to leave those to the side. But they had to have realized <coughs> that the last thing this country needs is 50 absolutely ongoing battles in every single state forever over this issue. Yeah, that is that is just not what we need. <laughs> I mean, I and actually, <coughs> I am no I'm no Lindsey Graham fan. Never have been, but some kind of a a federal law saying 15 weeks, I could go with that. <clears throat> I mean, at least let's have it even. 12 weeks, 18. Whatever. I'm not I'm not the person that's going to pick the number, but isn't that really the issue? How how long should we go with this? Is, I mean, that is the issue. Well, right? I think. The, the, the issue is, is under Roe v. Wade, it, it was based on a woman and, and in consultation with her doctor, in consultation with her, whoever, her, her minister, priest, rabbi, whomever, imam. And, um, and, and that worked for all the, these many years until we had Mississippi and Texas and a couple other states try to push the issue and turns out with the Dobbs decision in Mississippi, the court took it. Uh, every single one of these new uh, Trump appointees, for example, said they, they considered Roe v. Wade to be stare decisive, federal law. And they, you know, of course, then they turned around, you know, they made the decision to get rid of Roe v. Wade. And, you know, you go back and listen to their uh, testimony, and it's clear they lied and they were under oath during their confirmation hearings. Well, they they have, they, have, they have they have no there's no morality whatsoever with those people. Oh no no we have you know we had Kavanaugh and now we know that uh, there was never really an investigation of him and the rape charge and you know you know I mean the the only thing he said during the confirmation hearing is when he said I like beer well I like beer too uh, but that's the only thing I do. well I don't I'm, I'm not going to say that it's just the Republicans they, when they when they go in and have the the meeting with the president, and they come out two hours later. What, what do people think they talked about in there? The guy's going to ask him, "How are you going to rule on this one? How are you going to rule on that one?" I mean, are, are, oh sure. I mean, are, are we really that? Are we really that ignorant? I don't. I don't quite yeah. get it. We're going to. I I can remember way back when uh, you know the Supreme Court. This I think Nixon Nixon was president first term, and they were, had a decision uh, on on pornography. There's you know, and and they they ruled that. Um, 
you know, they ruled against pornography laws uh, as they were back then. And I remember there was a, a, a justice named Lewis Powell, and in his decision, he said, uh, in defining pornography, he said, you, well, you know, you know it when you see it. And then I was wondering, well, how much of it, you know, he must look at it a lot, you know? Well, uh, <laughs> you know it when you see it. Uh, <laughs> well, I, 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 you wouldn't argue if I said it's like good sex. You know it when you had it. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> S&P Futures Unchanged, Nasdaq Futures, down 13. Be right back. Stocks and jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox. The control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation in human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I didn't invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks. Jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here. Right now. Right here, right now, right now. 
One Hornback Saxon Jackson. I'm Tamau Andrew on the board. SP Futures down one. NASDAQ Futures down 18. This is uh, not much moves after the other day when we were all over the place. Well, actually, we weren't all over the place. We were all the place down. Yes, they were up, down, up, down, and finished up, finished a little up. Dow Futures up 18. I don't see anything moving all that much in the in the Dow. I got uh, Chevron Texaco down a buck 61. Uh, United Health up four bucks. Um, big move today is Union Pacific up 865. Uh, because we seem to have a, a settlement in the railroad strike, and I think that's certainly good news for Chicago commuters and pretty good news for everybody, I think. So hope everybody got a good a good enough deal out of these guys because I don't think they've been shy about raising uh, rates for shipping, that's for sure. Over in Europe, we've got DAX up 5, call that flat. FTSE up 26.4%. Kekaran down 16.3%, so a very light mixed bag over in Europe. Asia... Nikkei's up 57.2, and they were down heavy yesterday, so that's not much of a bounce. Shanghai down 37, that's 1.2%. Um, Hang Seng actually up a little bit, up 83, that's 0.4%, but still under 19,000, 18,930. Yesterday, like I said, we popped up a little bit on the close. Dow was up 30, S&P up 13, NASDAQ up 86. So kind of a blip compared to the sell-off the day before, but still positive day. Uh, Bonds up 3 basis points, 3.45. The bond up five basis points, 1.74. Those guys have to have a massive amount of bonds. These, the European Central Bank is holding in their little vault that they're losing a lot of money on, but they don't care. Other people's money. Japan up twenty, uh, up one basis point to 0.26. Oil down a dollar thirty-five, eighty-seven thirteen. Brent a dollar thirty-four, ninety-two seventy-six. Natural gas down forty-eight cents, uh, eight sixty-two. The thing's been all over the place. It ran up to an over nine the other day, and now it's back down. Uh, but it was under, it was like seven something, like last week. Gold uh, down 14, 1694 under 1700. Silver down 18 cents, 1938. Copper down 3 cents, 348. And Kathy Wood was all over the place yesterday talking about deflation and just look at gold. I don't know if gold's that much part of the picture anymore. Bitcoin up 275, 20,172. We have the U.S. dollar, which was. Uh, up strong yesterday. Today it's kind of unchanged at 0.999 uh, euro. Or euros, 0.999 dollar. Uh, what, what do you got for us, uh, Traffic Miller Sports, Andrew? All right, it is 6.36 on Thursday the 15th. Uh, for sports, last night in MLB, the Cubs beat the Mets 6-3. And the Diamondbacks came out on top over the Dodgers 5-3. Now today we have the White Sox playing the Guardians at 12.10 p.m. It's a must win. Oh yeah, yes it is. For weather, uh, Chicago, it is mostly clear at 60 degrees with high of 84 and a low of 60. And for Phoenix, it is also mostly clear at 79 degrees with a high of 97 and a low of 77. Uh, for Chicago traffic, uh, nothing too major except for the fact that on the northbound Stevenson, an accident on the right shoulder is definitely building delays. And otherwise, it is traffic as usual building on all the inbound roads. That's all I got. Back to you, Chief. So, uh, Wayne, if you want to make yourself some serious scratch-o, and you were a big gambler, I can't imagine the odds you could have gotten of the Cubs sweeping the Mets in New York with <laughs> Jason DeGrom pitching yesterday, or the day before. i got to believe you'd have, you could have been a 1000 I mean, you'd have, you'd have made $1,000 for 100 easy. Easy. Maybe more than that. Just saying. Well, I'm not a betting man, but uh, I, I one thing I would bet on, and I don't know if Hardee's, the fast food place, is a separate company or under <clears throat> other management, but their their, uh, their advertising tweet yesterday was priceless. Uh, 
and of course take, taking advantage of all the attention on the pillow guy having his phone seized by the FBI while he was having breakfast at a at a Hardee's up in uh, Mankato, Minnesota. Uh, Hardy set, sends out a uh, tweet saying, uh, "Now that you know we're we're still here, wanted to stop by for one of our pillowy biscuits." God, you know that? Hey, yeah, there used to be a couple Hardies around here, and they I always thought they were really nice places, and they all closed. Yeah, we we had a, a bunch here in Florida close. Uh, you know, I, I, I apparently though that they're, they're still around in some places, like. I guess in other places they're known as Carl's Jr. Okay. Um, so, um, but um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the pillow guy's uh, going to come out with next. Maybe a um, you know a special prison pillow for him. Oh God, striped pillowcase. <laughs> <laughs> um, hey, uh, I got I got I got to ask, what in God's name is going on with this Trump investigation and? Uh, the, the term I always hear from my uh, my, <clears throat> my uh, lawyers and uh, judge people, and, and believe me, they they're not real happy with how this works. This yeah. they think this prosecutorial discretion has reached, you know, it's reached malignant stage all over where they can chase somebody down and use up a huge percent of the resources and just say they're not going to go after other people. And I don't know, that's an awful lot of power, Wayne. Well. My my first reaction when I heard about the, the classified documents, it was even more shocking when I saw uh, the photograph. <laughs> excuse me, the photographs uh, um, that were released of the cover sheet because I I used to work with that kind of material at NSA, and <laughs> you know I I I made it a point not even to use a briefcase at NSA because. You know, what if you just made a mistake and you threw, you know, you threw, you threw something in your briefcase and there was something stuck underneath that might have been a classified document? So I just stopped using a briefcase altogether because if I had been caught leaving with a classified document, I would have had the cuffs put on me, you know, and I'd be sitting in a prison cell. <laughs> now we don't know how how many more of these documents were stored at other Trump locations. Um, and the, the, it was uh, last week or, or a couple days ago, Trump shows up at his golf course in, in Sterling, Virginia, and he's got Evan McCarthy, and he, <laughs> he's got Stephen Miller, Devin Nunes. They're all out in the middle of the golf course. And they're, you know, it's about 12 or 13. And I, first of all, I look at it, there's no golf club. Nobody's carrying a golf club. And then it dawned on me, I know what these meetings are. It's where you, you're afraid of a bugging device. So you go out in the middle of a field. You don't, you don't take any cell phones with you. Used to be, we used to call those batteries out meetings. Yeah. But now you can't take the battery out of your phone. <laughs> so you you leave them locked up in your car or someplace. But that looked like a mob meeting to me. Because mobsters had figured this out too. If we stay away from the clubhouse or our office or the, our home, 
there's less of a chance that we're going to be picked up by a bugging device. Um, yeah. Remember, remember the movie The Conversation with Gene Hackman? We bugged yes, the, we bugged yes, the, absolutely. Absolutely. We bugged the guys out on the little rowboat in the middle of his big lake? That's right, that's right. Okay, and, you know, uh, I, f- I forget how he did it. I mean, I, I, I got to watch the movie again, but <laughs> but I, I but I get the. It seems to me, um, what's what's happening? You know, I don't I don't know that much about the nuts and bolts of it, but it seems to me from Rod Blagojevich to uh, who the hell's her name? Who's the cook? Uh, what's her name? Mon- uh, who's the cook that went to jail uh, for insider trading allegedly? Although it really wasn't. Oh, oh Marcus uh, Marcus yeah. Stewart. And 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 even you know Trump to this extent that they come after you somehow, and then if you don't if you fight them at all, then they're willing to use every dime of, of the budget of the entire district to come after you. I mean, and if you look at the the amount of resources it took them to get Blago when the guy didn't even get any money. I mean, I'm no fan of Blagos. I didn't mean, but uh, yeah, but the idea. You look at the amount of resources the guy spent to go after him over a period of years. You anybody with common sense would say it wasn't worth it. I mean, the two trials, the, the exposing the juror, all the stuff they had to do just because you essentially pissed the feds off. And you know, I yeah. I don't I don't know. I mean, if, if if I'm in the Oval Office, I don't know. You know, I don't know what faculties Biden has these days. But if I heard about this, I'd have to say, okay, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's had these classified documents for two years. Uh, he's he's not the best person. I'll just be nice. I mean, and, uh, and and you know he's gonna it's gonna be nothing but a. Let me ask you, how classified are they? <laughs> I mean, after two years, we don't seem to be going down because he's got him. Well, I mean, you know, we, well, we, there had been an ongoing uh, battle from the from the National Archives right. to have these returned. They they knew they were missing early on, but they <clears throat> they tried to get, you know go the the more, uh, you know, the, the the normal route. Oh, you know, you need to return these. Uh, these are, uh, you know, um, subject to the Presidential Records Act and the uh, um, Espionage Act and all kinds of acts. But <clears throat> a lot of people, including people that work closely with Trump, said, look, everything he does is transactional and uh, he sees a value of Associated with anything, and 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 they said that don't put it past them to have offered these for sale uh, to the highest bidder, the Saudis, the Russians, the whomever. But uh, some of these documents, of course, not only give away our agents working undercover or our assets abroad, but also the the, the ways we pick up intelligence, the methods used. The, whether they're spy satellites, well, or, where where have uh, where have you been able to figure out? I mean, I, I, that's why I'm asking you because I suspect you have. Yeah. Other other than I mean, most people here, he took them home. They belong in the archives, which means nobody's ever going to read them or see them. I mean, most people go, what is what does that even mean? I mean, are we talking nuclear secrets? Are we talking about the, the, the identities of every of every spy in Ukraine? I mean, I mean how does anybody? I mean, who know, I mean, how does anybody know what they are? I mean, or, or, or well, that that's being done right. Yeah, that's being done now. There's a damage assessment report being conducted by all 18 U.S. intelligence agencies, and uh, and I I have worked on damage assessment reports in the past, and um, you, you you look you, you look at everything that 
could have possibly been compromised, and then you determine, based on the evidence, what was probably compromised. He didn't have these things even stored properly uh, in Mar-a-Lago. He had them in his desk drawer. He, he, he had them uh, in, a, in a, a storage locker near the swimming pool. Um, and um, so with all this foreign traffic, they've, they've arrested Chinese agents at Mar-a-Lago. They, uh, they had this woman claiming to be a, one of the Rothschilds. who turns out she's a Russian intelligence agent herself. She had her picture taken with Trump. He had stuff shoved in his desk drawer in his office at Mar-a-Lago. So the damage assessment is looking at all that, what he had, the damage done. I worked on da- uh, damage assessment reports back at N- when I was in NSA in the Navy on, on two spies, the John Walker Navy Chief Warrant Officer spy ring, spying for the Russians, and the Jonathan Pollard spy ring, and he was spying for the Israelis. and. And uh, the damage in both cases was was tremendous. It was, it was and and this was during the Cold War, so uh, you figure you know multiply it by ten the damage that was done. Well, I, I mean, you you were a guy who famously you may not even remember. You said even the lunch menus were were considered classified. It, but I mean, I mean, how, how does a regular citizen have any I, kind of clue? I, I said what time that the uh, the the. the we had phone books at NSA, and I said, look, those yellow pages, they're classified, too, because it says right there, classified yellow pages. <laughs> you know? Well, <laughs> so I guess for other than my, my concern here, I don't, I'm not being obvious where I'm driving here, but it it's real easy because that's why I'm anxious to you know even drag more information out of you. Right now it looks to me like, I mean, I, this is an observation, and I don't believe that I'm wrong here, is that, there's such a lack of, of information in terms of what exactly these things were and how valuable they were that if if you're a Trump fan, you can easily drop back and say, hey, they've never done this than anybody else. Maybe the movers took them. You know, who the hell knows? On the other side, oh, God, he's got like every nuclear secret in the world and he's selling it to the Russians. I, I'm not so sure you, you can disprove either one of those people with what we're hearing. <coughs> and, and hence, hence well, every conceit. It has happened before. We um, it happened with General Petraeus, who was giving classified stuff to his girlfriend, um, who was writing a, a book, and it happened with former National Security Advisor Sandy Berger. He went up to the uh, archives and was caught uh, taking classified documents and out of there, hiding them in his socks and in his underwear. And uh, I, I, I've been to the National Archives in College Park, Maryland, several times doing research, and it was because of Berger that we had to like take our we had to like take our coats off and everything, and then we had to put everything in a locker because uh, when we went into where the documents were, we couldn't have any anything on us uh, that where we could you know potentially hide documents on the way out. So what, what percentage uh, of the population? What percentage of the population, including somebody who's supposed to be smart like me, even even knows there there was a national archive archives and what the hell's in there and whatever the thought of ever going there and trying to read something? Oh, there's there, there's a lot of information in there for um, historians, researchers. As a matter of fact, every, uh, most presidential libraries um, they they have a national archive annex. It's called the library, the presidential library, because. That is where the classified information 
sometimes and the other official documents are stored, not at the one in Maryland, but out at each individual presidential library. So if you're interested in something classified or declassified uh, during the Cuban Missile Crisis, you'll find it at the Kennedy uh, Library up in Boston. Really? Okay. Um, yeah, yeah, oh yeah. They're, they're great resources. Um, I, I love the archives, and I think the archives, you know, bent over backwards trying to make it an accommodation with Trump. Uh, and uh, and he just kept refusing. Then he said, he had his lawyers say, well, here's the stuff, and that's all of it. He lied about that. So if they're going to indict Trump, I think it's going to be uh, for the cover-up. The cover-up is always worse than the crime. And, and here, the, you know, saying, oh, you've got everything. And in fact, he didn't. Now, now he was shown moving boxes from Mar-a-Lago, I guess, uh, a few months ago uh, up to... Uh, Edminster, New Jersey. So God knows what was in those boxes. Well, what the? Um, I mean, I, I was under the impression. I mean, this is that the day of like the inauguration. You know, movers show up and move the one guy's stuff out in the morning, so the other guy can show up in the afternoon with his movers. I mean, did he have like a, a uh, you know a separate van with his guy hauling? Guys yeah, on his no. I, I checked out the, the the movers. I had never heard of them. I you know I. I living in Washington for so many years, you know, I, I, I was used to Allied Van Lines or Mayflower, and, and I forget the name of the tr- uh, the moving company, but this is where Mr. Trump may be in a lot of trouble. I, I found out that the company that moved him was out in Northern Virginia, uh, and um, I, I said, well, let's see who works at this company, who, who, are the, who, who are the corporate officials, and I started looking at these bios, of the, I, I, I find out that the the president and CEO is a good friend of uh, was a good friend of George uh, W. Bush and friends with George H. W. Bush. And then I looked at other bios and you know people who worked in the Pentagon, people who worked in the CIA. I said it dawned on me. I said, <coughs> geez, that's probably you know you know they they don't want to reveal certain things in the um, in the in the uh, criminal complaint, the search that got the search warrant. But, you know, it's clear that they had inside sources saying that there, you know, were classified information documents stored at Mar-a-Lago. <coughs> and then dawned on me, I said, I bet it's the movers. Well, what the, uh, I mean, it, it's, I, I, I keep going back to this because it, how would, I mean, you, you talk about this from somebody on the inside. And it, and it rolls off your tongue like everybody should know it. It's sort of like me talking about option theory in a bar. I mean, basically. I mean, uh, I, I guess I could believe everybody's listening knows what the hell I'm talking about. How would I even know what there was? I know that now. I know there's a national archives. I know that there that there's present. But since I don't know anything that's classified, how would I even know to look for it because it's classified? I mean, it's like the chicken before the oh, egg. Well, again, there's a process. Say, say I was writing a book on the Cuban Missile Crisis. And I'm, I'm up there in Boston. I'm in the Kennedy Library. And I'm, I'm looking at the index that they keep on all their documents. And they say, and they say well, I'm sorry, you, this, you can't have This one says secret. And I said, can, can I initiate a process to get that declassified? And they say, yeah, yeah, fill this form out. And we'll, we'll uh, try to go back to the classification authority and see if we can get it declassified. You know, in most cases, Especially considering the age of the document, they 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 will declassify it. 
So that's how the process worked. Of course, Trump, he upended the process. It's not like he could have never had access to this, but this stuff has to be stored securely at the archives and, and, and not be stolen, as, as he did. Well, I, I get that. I mean, I'm not, I'm not defending the guy. I'm just trying to explain yeah. the process here because most people... Well, there is a... a yeah. You know, it's, 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 like I say, I think the archives is... I, I think of them as just like the Postal Service, you know? It's a great service, and, and, you know, and, and I've used it several times, and I, I, I love some of the people who the researchers on staff because they really go out of their way to help you find what you're looking for. And I had one time... You're not allowed into the big cavernous areas. You remember the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark where yeah. they had that big warehouse with yeah. all that stuff in it? Well, that's the way, that's where the storage area of the archives in College Park, that's what it looks like. The shelves are on little railroad, like railroad tracks that they have to move them because there's so many documents in there. Uh, but uh, like the, uh, the vehicle assembly building in, um, uh, I, uh, Cape Canaveral. Uh, th- this facility, I was told, it, it, it's so large that they have to have special units in there so they don't develop their own weather. <laughs> like he did at the vehicle assembly, where yeah. they develop rain clouds and it would rain inside. Uh, and that that would be a real problem where you have all these paper documents. So uh, yeah, it's 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 vast. It's cavernous. It's something. Uh, if anyone is doing research and they can arrange a, a visit with a researcher in that facility alone, it, it's something that uh, you, you'll never forget. Well, nobody, I mean, how, what percentage of the population has any idea? I mean, again, it goes back to, I, I you know, we kind of started out the show talking about, because we only have a few minutes here, Wayne, and I can always talk to you like all day, <laughs> but uh, we, we started the show by saying we, we, we don't need any more sort of issues, and, I, and I, 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 college football was not perfect, the, the the you know the what was it uh, was it cry havoc and let loose the dogs of war <laughs> wasn't that the, the was that yeah. Shakespeare I mean I, I mean they just they upended the entire I mean every state in the country now has got people day in and day out arguing about this abortion thing what, whatever yeah. I mean whatever side you're on you, I think you have to agree with me that that's not healthy and and of course if it's a pro-abortion state and the guy gets pro too pro he gets thrown out. Then it's it's a fight that's never going to end. I mean, we well, don't we, we, we don't need. Kind of, there's always being prone to violence. Uh, yeah. Situations like the guy wearing the rainbow wig that want, wanted Trump reinstalled as president. He took a gun into a Dairy Queen in Pennsylvania. You know. Well, I, um, but this thing was. I mean, I, mean, I would first, if I'm the president, I'm going to say, all right, this, this, this moron took some stuff. How how. How bad is it? But 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 people also and, and when you know the people on the on the right, when they when they argue like this, I don't know that if it's right versus left. I suspect it probably isn't, Wayne. Um, yeah. But I mean, when you talk about the the Hillary situation, taking money from overseas for politics, everybody knows she did it. Okay, but I don't think anybody yeah. either sides of the aisle want that can of worms opened because you're going to find creatures on both sides of the aisle all over that. Same thing. Oh, yeah. Same thing with Hunter Biden. Did he go to go to Ukraine with the with the intention of, of getting money out of there that probably we were sending him? Yeah, Ooh. but every every place we've ever sent a dime—Nicaragua, you name a bazillion countries—there's somebody from Washington with his finger in that pie. No, nobody wants to open that one up. So it, it's not just 
Hunter Biden versus Trump. I mean, Trump's got something that's sort of local to him, it looks like, and that's why they're coming after him. But. No, and, 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 and the history of presidential families, you know, I, I remember Donald Nixon and uh, Billy Carter. Um, yeah. You can't blame, I, I, you blame Nixon for a lot of things, but I couldn't blame Nixon for, for Donald. Uh, nor could I blame Jimmy for Billy, <laughs> or or or, or um, Roger Clinton, uh, yeah. you know the half brother, and you know he had a, obviously a, a lot going on with the cocaine industry, <laughs> mostly as a user. I will bet um, we we had a dash Wayne, but I will bet you a, a nice big drink when you get here that you at least have one unopened six pack of Billy beer. Uh, I used to have a can, but it's. It, it disappeared somewhere. I think one of the movers drank it. God. <laughs> Thanks, bud. Good Poor stuff guy. as usual. SP Futures, <laughs> SP Futures down six. NASDAQ Futures down 40. On that note, we'll be back, Mr. Dan Janitas. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They're located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates, and a good inventory make adding bricks-and-mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Hear ye, hear ye! The Homer Broadcasting System is on the air! Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control! Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now.
Lone Wolf Pack, Stocks and Jacks. I'm Tom Andrew on the board. SP Futures now down seven. Actually, December's are down eight. Uh, and the NASDAQ is down 46. So we are uh, uh, we're not exactly bouncing back from the other day. We're giving back kind of almost well, half of what we made, gave back yesterday. Do we have Mr. Uh, Mr. Dan with us? Yes. Well, we have, we're going to have to change your name to Dan uh, Solomon, uh, Janitas, because uh, I've got some questions for you today that I think maybe... Maybe not even Solomon can answer, but uh, we'll see how you do. Sure. Um, how about start out with where's the stock market going to be in six months? <laughs> yeah, I, I actually, um, I'm, I'm absolutely not bullish on the market. I on the on the equity market. I um, I think in six months, I mean, where this is a really good time for fixed income um, coming up, and if you want yield and income, which is what we've been talking about. Um, over the last few years, um, we finally have some income in the fixed income market. So I think the, you know, if, if you can be patient or you can start, you can start slowly investing in, in, you know, shifting some of your, you know, say dividend stocks or, or some of your, um, high beta stocks into, um, some fixed income instruments for the income. I think there's some opportunities. And I still, and I also think there's opportunities in high yield. Um, so I would rather be in high yield going forward and getting eight percent than be in equities and, and see a lot of volatility. But I don't see much happening. I think we're going to see continued increases by the Fed, and that's going to have a negative impact on the on the equity market. And um, there's people who are concerned right now um, about these increases not having found their way through the economy, and I think they will find their way through the economy over the next six months. And as a result, I don't think stocks are really the place to buy. And if you do, you just have to be careful which where you are. Um, you know, we've done very well this year in utilities. Um, you know, I still think there's there are rooms there's room for opportunity in the more defensive sectors. But we're we're in a recession. I'm, I'm probably the only person who's saying that we're in a contractionary period right now um, with the economy, and it's it's not a depression, but it's a slower growth period. That's not going to be good for equities, and especially for Nasdaq. Um, by the way, there's two of us in that camp. You know that. Yes, absolutely. Or the next question is, where will rates be in six months? I think they're. Good. I think the short, you know, right now the short end of the curve has really um, run up. In fact, the two year is at the highest level since 2007. So it hit 383. The one year, which you don't really see um, talk about very often, but the one year is at 395. Yeah. So I'm thinking we're going to be closer to on the on the short end. We're going to be closer to five to six percent, and that's where we're going to start coming into this um, equilibrium um, with inflation. And I think we're going to hit a point as inflation comes down, which it will eventually, that the yield is going to be commensurate with uh, the yield on the short end of the curve is going to be commensurate with the yield on the um, on inflation, the current the current inflation rate. Um, so I'm saying I would say five to six percent. I still think the yield curve will be inverted, um, and it might be even more inverted. In fact, it is more inverted now than it's been this entire decade. <laughs> we have, um, you know, if you look at the difference between that yield on the one year and the yield on the ten year, it's fifty-five basis points, and that's negative. So that means you're getting paid um, to, to invest in a one-year T-bill. You're getting paid three ninety-five to invest in the ten year. You're getting paid around three forty. And that difference is the highest it's been. And just to to explain that, what it means when that difference is negative and it's in, and the yield curve is inverted, 
it, it what it what it is what it's saying what the, the bond market is saying is that looking forward we're expecting slower growth and the more inverted the curve is the slower the growth is expected so i do believe as a credit person and a bond person i do believe that the yield curve has it right in this situation and i think we're going to continue to see um this inversion at least stay with us going forward so i wouldn't have you know some people are saying it's a good time to, to buy long treasuries because and and you know you have to think of this as the flight to quality play and that probably will continue so but i think that even that trade is still fairly risky going forward i think rates across the board will be higher you know that'll include the 10-year that'll include mortgage rates um well, Dan, if you, if you, this year, if you, if you, the first part of next year, how much of when when I started the business, the yield curve was some incredibly inverted because inflation was yes. twelve or thirteen percent, and people thought eventually it would go down. So the thirty year was not priced as if there was always going to be twelve or thirteen percent inflation. It was priced more like if there was going to be seven or eight, and it turned out to be probably correct. But right now. How much of, I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know how much, you know, people attribute whatever, whatever they want to, to why it's like that. I, I, I'm gonna lob out there, and again, it's one, you know, one man's opinion. I'm gonna lob out there. So for some reason, we have a well, not a, a reason is we've been like this for 12 years. There's a whole generation of people in our business that think one or two percent is the real number. That, that's where, I mean, if if, all, if, if the near term rates were, were 10. Taking into account the fact that you're losing you know, what however percent a month on inflation, I would certainly think that the that the yield curve should be inverted. But there's people who think the normal is like one. So we're right. gonna we, and I don't see how even even if the Fed in their wildest dreams decides gets gets the inflation number long term down to two percent, uh, still you sh- you're supposed to be getting paid for your money. What? Why? Why all of a sudden do people think that it, it's the right of somebody to get my money for nothing? I mean, going no, in the future, I'm absolutely on board with you. I think the real number is probably closer to three to four percent. The target should be should be higher, and in fact, probably almost double um, what the current target is. And I don't think the Fed has gotten it right or is really looking at you know um, all the right information to make this decision. And and I absolutely agree with you that the the, the the new generation, if you will, hasn't seen an environment like we have to understand what I refer to as the credit cycle. Yeah. You know, the, where the, the credit becomes tighter. It's normal for this to happen, but I do believe, like you're saying, that that two percent is probably too too aggressive. Well, what uh, Dan? How can we? Because I think you know, some people, if you if you if you explain it to them, they they get it. So it's not like people are too dumb to understand what we're talking about. They're not, um, but. It, the this particular like when you just said is inflation coming down? I think both of us think that inflation infl- inflation right now has ended, but because the the money supply and all the the the, the proponents of inflation have pretty much stopped. Maybe there's a little bit left, but what they're left it with is this thirty five to forty percent price bulge that they created in the last two and a half years. They poured in. Forty percent more money, and guess what? Everything's forty percent higher. Duh. Right. So now, now, what do you do with it? I mean, I mean, the the inflation now you get two problems with this, and one is exactly the same as during the eighties, because they were in such denial, in my opinion, and the numbers coming in, 
we're going to show inflation with the CPI and the PPI, especially because housing's not in there, ho- hospitalizations. We're going to show inflation for the next two years when there isn't any. So they, there really is a, 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 a chance that they're going to screw up, in my opinion, just as bad as Volcker did. I think he could have taken his foot off the gas a year before and saved half the savings and loans. Or maybe right. he had another agenda. Maybe he wanted the savings and loans out of business because the banks didn't like him. I don't know. You never know what people's agendas are these, in any day. But I don't think he had to do that. And, and I, don't, I, don't, I think these guys, they should really, if they popped a 75% number up there, they should stop for a while. And, unless they're going to tell us that they're going to attack the price level and actually want to deflate for a while, which I don't think they want to do. I'm not so sure I would. No, even... I, Go ahead. I would, I, would, I would say I agree with you. The one area, though, that I do, I still think, and I guess, again, being a bond manager my whole career, you're kind of paying attention to inflation. And we were paying attention to inflation before um, pre-COVID, if you will, like sure two and a half years ago. We were wondering, what is it going to take for the, for the credit cycle to reverse? In other words, to go from an easing to a tightening, to go from accommodative to restrictive. And the one piece that was missing were wage, was wage inflation. So there was, there was a mismatch between wages and, you know, housing prices, for example, or um, mismatch between wages and the stock market, the increases that we had seen. So now we're starting to see wage increases, you know, with the, the, rail, the rail workers, um, you know, potential strike with the pilot strike, with, you know, not people not going back to service jobs. And it might just be that I live in an area where there's a huge number of service positions available. Um, they're having to pay higher wages. When what, what does that translate to? It usually does translate into more inflation because then they have to raise prices. What they have to do with, say, with the airlines is they either have to raise prices to pay the pilots and the workers, or they have to cut the number of flights. And they've done both. So cutting the number of flights equals contraction. Contraction equals recession. So that is that is the, the environment we're in. When you see, and you see on the other side, on the tech side, they're laying off workers. So that those people had always been able to name their price. You know, the people who were real whizzes in, in the tech industry could move from company to company because that environment had changed or was very different in the tech industry. And they could, they could always move up in price. At some point, that's going to stop because the tech companies, are their growth is going to slow. So over, I agree with you, but I do think in the short run, there's still going to be what I would call wage inflation pressure, and that's going to be across a fair number of industries. And if there's not wage inflation, there's going to be contraction. I'm gonna, either way, I see um, I'm gonna a lab slowdown. A, I'm going to lob a technical disagreement at you. And, and the reason okay. the reason why I, th- I think uh, you uh, are, are wrong in that this time, because the one thing I notice, you know, when I, when I say this, Dan, I, I sh- it should be more. I guess I haven't read these contracts, so that's my that's my disclaimer here on my own opinion. <laughs> Can you have a disclaimer on your own opinion? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> how bad is that? Um, you look at this uh, rail strike thing. It looks to me like they're going to get a five percent, five point four percent raise over five years. Right, that doesn't even match inflation, right? And by anybody's by anybody's estimate, I don't see them or the people from Caterpillar or the people here in Chicago to, to dig stones out of the quarries or whatever. I don't see any one of them with a published cost of living adjustment going forward. 
Now, maybe it's in there and they're just not publishing it, or maybe the writer doesn't even know what the hell it is, but it's in there. I don't know. But I haven't seen one. So I'm assuming, and again, when you assume you make an ass out of yourself and everybody else, right? Uh, I'm assuming there isn't one. Now, the era you're talking about, because I was involved in all this stuff, um, everybody had one. Steelworkers, the, the people at Pullman, you name it. Everybody had a cost of living adjustment. So when they do, like I think we both agree, that when these guys are in denial on the numbers, that the CPI number is going to is going to continue to show inflation long after there isn't any, right? So in, in, in my in my experience, that's what happened. So yeah, if if, if, if there was a cost of numbers, living, yeah, if there was a cost of living adjustment, somebody might be getting like in 1978 a, a pretty fat raise a year from now when there really isn't any inflation. And it becomes a problem for the company, but I don't yeah. see. I'm going to say in this rail strike. I'm going to say that the Union Pacific is way ahead, way ahead of their workers and raising five percent a year over the last five years. I mean, I, I don't think I don't think that they, they don't want to have to pay anybody anymore. I mean, nobody, none of these guys do, right? But they don't want to have to pay anybody. Anymore. But I I doubt very seriously if they're if at the end of the day that the the workers' salaries are going to be up twenty four percent at the end of the five year period, and, and their and their increases in price haven't been way more than that. So. I think when people talk about uh, wage-driven price increases, I think they're they're way wrong in this time because of the, because I don't think anybody who's gotten a raise higher than the people have raised their prices. Yeah, and I, now, I would agree with you on in terms of what we've seen in the past. It just seems that now we're at a moment, and I don't know that this is necessarily going to last a long time, but. But, but there's been a period where workers believe that they're in the driver's seat and, and can demand higher wages, um, even though I agree with what you're saying, is that they're kind of, you know, cost of living adjustments are way behind anyway, so it's going to, it's going to, it's just putting you back to where you should be yeah. um, at best. Um, but there's still, I think, a perception that, you know, if there's, if there's a lack of workers on a service level, for example, the place has to pay more, whether it be a restaurant or or a grocery store or you know a, a mechanic or you know people who are in the service industry are going to the the consumer has to pay um, a certain portion of the the, the natural increase that the workers should have had in the past. So that's going to keep us from um, you know it's going to keep growth slow is 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 the way I see it. It's going to keep us from um, from inflation going you know. Returning to uh, you know dis- from having disinflation, so I think that's going to that's going to keep things up. The problem I think with what's happened is that the media has really pushed gas prices as the oh, issue, yeah, yeah. and a lot of people have thought or think that because gas prices have come down substantially, that that means inflation has come down. But I know that rents are still high. Um, I know that there's although they talk about the housing market um, crumbling, we're not seeing that here. Um, you know, where I am at all, we're seeing quite the opposite. So I think there could be, you know, geographically it could be a little bit different, but in, but in general, I, I do see inflation um, or I think higher, uh, not necessarily the growth of inflation, but I just think we will see higher prices sustained for, say, the next six months. Oh, I would, I would agree. I don't think the, the bubble is going down at all. But, yeah. yeah. But, I mean, once you're not, you know, people... And you run long enough, you know people. If you walk into a re- your favorite restaurant, and the guy comes out and you say, "Hey, Joe, <clears throat> you just raised your beer price a, a bucket glass. What the bleep?" 
Joe's not going to say, hey, Dan, I did it because I could. Across the street did it, so I did it. He's going to sum up some stuff. Well, you have any idea how much the gas bill went up? Or the, it's all, it's all going to be some BS, right? <laughs> but, but the fact is people, right. people price stuff where they can in, in, a competitive, yeah, in, a, in a competitive world. Now, I'm going to go so far as to say rails aren't competitive. I mean, there's some competition with trucking and whatever, but not much. I'm going to say we've got five regional monopolies in, rail, in rails. Eh, I'll cut that back. I'm going to say the, the Norfolk and Southern and the Chessie system probably compete in these because there's a lot of duplication. But but really, the Southern Pacific is not a competitor to the Burlington Northern coming out of the uh, whatever oil fields there are in Montana. They're, they're 2,000 miles away. They're, they're not going to run a train up there cheaper because they're going to rent to use the tracks, right? So, I mean, we've got all these industries now that are very, very... I mean, are hospitals competitive? Very, exactly, yeah. I mean, I mean, re- when you go into a hospital, would you believe any one of these bleeps that came out that the reason why you're paying $11,000 a night is because they had to give the nurse a 40-cent raise? I mean, n- none of us are that stupid, I don't think. No, I mean, it, goes, it, it kind of goes across the board. I mean, it's, it's, it's like you said, it's, it's an opportunity... Um, I've seen that at the small business level. We've certainly seen it at the, at the, um, you know, at the big business level as well. But at some point, there is a substitution effect that happens. And if you go back to sort of basic economics, and people say, well, you know, they're they're asking for me to to, to pay this rate, which I think is just outrageous. So instead, I'm going to substitute, and I'm not going to take that trip. I'm not going right. to travel, oh, yeah. or I'm going to travel by different means. You know, I'm going to drive rather than fly. And if it's a hospital situation, you may go to a clinic rather than go into your, your former hospital to see if you can get a rate that's better. At some point, that happens with, with people, and they turn away. And that's a, but, I, but I still see this, this, what's happening here, slowing growth going oh, Without a doubt. This, this sort of wage push and pull, this labor uh, disconnect. Um, the, I still think that there's going to be uh, some... Some push and pull, and I, and I think it's you know I, I've recently been making some travel plans and, and just looking at the costs of, of hotels, rental cars, and airfares. You know you can't say we don't have inflation oh, right no, no. now, even from just a few months ago. So, so I would say that that I see at least continuing in the near near term, and then there's a point where they're going to have to cut back or contract. Um, and either way, I don't see I don't see any um, positive news coming. On the, you know, for example, for the stock market going forward, or or um, necessarily for our economy, and again, I mean, we are in a global world. Um, what's going on in Europe and Asia is not helping. Is not going to help. I don't know if it's going to hurt us a whole lot, but it's going to definitely hurt us in terms of companies growing to a global the global level that a lot of companies want to. So that that's going to be an ongoing issue. Um, one thing I will say to give to give some ideas of what to do now if people are you know, looking for where to put money on the short end, you know, the short end of the curve, if you want to just stash some money rather than putting it in a CD, like I said, the one-year Treasury bill, it's, you know, it's practically 4%. Um, you know, that's going to that's gonna be a better place to park your cash than your savings account or there than your checking account than your um, CD. So there's some, there's some um, you know, there's some income there now. And the other place I would say, and we've talked about these names before, but some of these very short-term, higher-yielding, better-quality names, as we mentioned, Service Properties Trust. You know, I I would say that's uh, that's the one we've been, I don't know if I haven't talked to you since last week, 
we've been chipping away at that. They've been offering some of that under under a hundred, and we've been chipping away at that for a few clients. Uh, the SVC, and I think yeah. And, uh, and another one that I would also add to that that list is Buckeye Partners, which ticker symbol BPL. They have a four uh, four fifteen four point one five. Uh, do seven one twenty three. So another nine month, basically nine or ten month um, bond yielding six percent. You know, double B rated um, money good bond. So so that's you know you're getting we're starting to get up there in the yield. And I would say the place to stay would be the higher quality high yield. Again, stay away from trying to think this is the time to. Uh, go into those higher beta names or, or, wow, look at that attractive yield on that high yield because now there are some high yield bonds trading at over 10%. Stay away from those, but, but with these, with a, a 6.5 to 6% for 6 to 6.5 for a short term, then when we come to February and March when rates are higher, you can reinvest that at a higher rate. So that, I think that's the positive trend. Um, for income right now, we've had a lot and more luck. We tried to way to stay safe. We're trying to buy uh, both of them, uh, the SVC and the Buckeye. And the SVC, we've been able to get. Like I said, we haven't got the whole amount yet, but we're we're, we're chipping away at it. The Buckeye was offered at a, at a really nice price. As soon as we went to buy it, they they skedaddled back over a hundred. They, they pulled a yeah, over. exactly. <laughs> well, there is still a dealer's market in high yield, and there is definitely an, an art to it. And and you know, fortunately. Um, that's my background, you know, 36 years, and, and even as a PM, as a portfolio manager, but also trading them. So there's a little bit of uh, nuance when it comes to trading that, you know, unlike the equity market, um, which is all, uh, you know, it's, 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 you know the price, you know, I mean, it's a lot more visible. So there's a little bit of, uh, yeah, there's a little bit of nuance that goes on to get the right price. But yeah, yeah if you're patient, you'll, you should be able to get that price. It'll, it'll, it'll come back again if you wait just a little while. It's, uh, my clients, uh, are sort of uh, stunned, I'll say. I won't say befuddled. I'll say stunned that they say, "Well, what about time and sales?" I go, "There's no time and sales on this stuff. This is this is the. It's not like stocks and options where you can trace the whole thing." I mean, what, no. do, really? <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, uh, hey, the other question is, uh, we talk sometimes. You and I talk about rates of different era, eras, different places along the curve that we might actually want to be a buyer here and a seller some other place. Uh, say, for instance, that the yield curve got you know appreciably steeper than it is now. There is a point where you and I might want to say, "Hey, you know what? We should we should sell the sell the the two year and buy and buy the ten. Um, other than actually just doing that with the futures over in the in the future side of the world and the well, CME's old board of trade, uh, I don't really see a, a equity way of doing that. If it's really if it's really gross in the uh, ten year versus thirty. I think you could monkey around with the the TNX and the TYX, but I don't know that you can do anything on the, on the security side with like the two versus the ten or anything. Uh, do you or because it's it, you know I wouldn't be doing that in this environment, and the reason is that although I think there's going to be some downward pressure on rates, if you will, or upward pressure on longer term, you know, ten and thirties, because people will be buying it with the flight to quality. Um, I, I do think. You know, you can do that. You can do what we call a barbell strategy where you buy the longer, you know, the 30-year and you buy the one-year. Um, and that's that way you're kind of, you're, you know, you're sort of hedging your bets a little bit. So that's a, I think the barbell strategy makes sense with fixed income right now because the longer you're, the longer you're out, if you're out 30 years and we do see 
buying, um, you know, with flight to quality buying coming in and a, a you know downward uh, pressure on yields, you're going to make the you get to get the most bang for your buck there. So you can that can be something that the individual decides if you, you can right. do it with the ten year or you could do it with the thirty year. Um, but also barbell that with having like some one year or two year. Uh, T-bills, and, you know, that trade will make sense at some point. Maybe not today, but it well, will that's make that's, sense. That's what I was talking about. In a few, I mean, right now we're, we're where? We're 250 and the Fed funds, are we two and a quarter? One of the two. Two and three quarters. Right we're now? Two and a half to three quarters, yeah. All right, so so if, if they if, if they do, let, let's say, for instance, something bizarre world, I'm just talking in the future, that, that rate goes to four and a half, and the 30 or the 10 is still 3.1. I'm going to say at some point we might think, e, <laughs> we might want to, but I guess the only real way to do it is actually just short the one and buy the other, right? Right. Yeah, I mean, you can do it that way as well. It's, um, I, I mean, at least from where we are today, looking, you know, looking forward, this is going to be, you know, it's, it's pretty, um, pretty much definite at this point that we're going to see higher short-term rates. I mean, I don't think a whole lot's going to happen in the next uh, six days here before we have the Fed meeting uh, next Wednesday. And then the next meeting after that is in early November, and that's, I think, the last meeting for the year. So if we have two more increases, you're going to see, you know, I think you're going to see a five handle um, by the end of the year. Wow. On the, sh- on the short, on T-bills, on the short end. On the longer end, a little harder to predict because, like I said, you're going to have this push and pull. You're going to have some people buying longer um, based on the, you know, wanting longer duration, wanting to lock in maybe a little bit higher yield, and also flight to quality, you know, so people moving out of uh, riskier assets and into, um, they'll move into the longer treasury. So that's a, I think that's a harder play, but, you know, certainly you can short, I mean, you can, you can take one side or the other of that, or you can barbell, um, and that's, you know, that's really, it, to me, that's a little bit harder to predict than to, the, the, the thing that's easy to predict is knowing that short rates are going higher. Dan, we might, we got a dash, but we might have a, uh, slot open next week or, or uh, earlier in the week. Our buddy, buddy Brendan's going out to check out hippopotamuses and, and, and lions in Africa. <laughs> sure. And uh, I was thinking, you know, I'd like to, to we both have to do a little research. I'd like to try and figure out where where the rest of the world is in this mess. I mean, this European Central Bank's got to be got to be long one hell of a lot of bonds that have dropped thirty percent on those people or twenty five percent. China looks to me like they're in a world of hurt. I mean, you know, you're they way are absolutely you're way closer to this than me. Maybe we can give everybody. A little bit of a review about what's going on in the world. I mean, uh, sure, and, and I think also talking about what some of the other central banks are doing as well yeah. in terms of, you know, there are some, um, you know, some of the European banks are trying to stay ahead of the U.S. Even Canada, I think, is trying to stay ahead of the U.S. in terms of raising rates. So, um, so sure, I think there's, you know, yeah, but all this stuff is is in is in these dollar numbers every day, but it's so complicated. I mean, if I don't have you with me helping me out, I mean, there's no way I can get all through it myself. But I mean, clearly. When you see the the, the euro dollar down or the pound up or the or the you know the Canadian up or the Canadian down, all this stuff is flying around behind. And I right. tell you what, I'll, I'll feel better explaining the whole mess if you're with me. Let's put it that way, because uh, sure, I mean it's a it, it is so complicated, and I sure as hell don't know all of it. <laughs> I don't think you sure. do either, but I, maybe I together. Say, yeah, right. no, I do agree with that. I will say, my, you know, sort of, if you just have to make a, a, a big picture assessment, I do think the U.S. is the place to be. Um, I, you know, it's not only because we're here, but it's interesting how now we're going back to the way it was when we were newer to the industry, and it was very U.S. centric, right? And now it's almost like we're coming back, you know, full circle. We went global, and now we're in, in terms of looking at investments, and we're the most attractive investment slide right right now. So, 
but but they, the other markets definitely play a big role, we're a the, bigger role than they did when we were. to clean a shirt in a dirty clothes drawer? Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I would say so. <laughs> Dan, take care of yourself, Definitely. buddy. SB Futures down 8, NASDAQ Futures down 54. Be right back, Stacks and Jacks. will make you wealthy. Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas, and equips you with savvy investment tactics you don't already know. All while exploring how to live your best life through music, spirits, food, sports, travel, fitness, and a whole lot more. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures. It's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into Wall Street's investment gurus. It's for mavericks who believe in life, luxury, and the pursuit of happiness. It's for you! Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now. Lord Rockbait, Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tamal. We're on the board. We've got him trying to dig out and do a bunch of stuff here. Where I'm trying to get the GDP now from Atlanta. They're still showing a positive 1.3 for this quarter. They were up over two and they've been leaking down a little bit. Um, SP futures are up up five. We just had the retail sales number came out 0.3 to the positive versus a negative 0.1 to the negative. Uh, negative to the negative uh, was uh, was predicted. Those predictors. Who are these? Who are these expectators? Uh, and Nasdaq futures down 38, Dow futures down 47. Um, I don't really have anything going crazy in the Dow except uh, CVX is you know, Chevron Texaco is down a buck 62. That's probably the biggest mover in the Dow, at least so far. Over in Europe, 
We've got the DAX down 20.1%. FTSE up 27.4%. CAC around down 33.5%. So choppy, choppy over there. Over in Asia, Nikkei up 57. Oh, they were down huge yesterday, so the 57 doesn't cut that on a return. 0.2%. Shanghai down 37, 1.2%. Hang Seng up 83, still under 19,000, 18,940. Uh, China keeps their rates steady. I think people might have thought they were going to do something different with there, but they did not. Yesterday we were up on the last five minutes. We were up, down, up 30 on the Dow, up 13 on the S&P, NASDAQ up 86. Uh, we have bonds up three basis points, 3.44. The Bund up five basis points, 1.74. And Japan, um, let's say up one basis point to 0.26. Oil. Uh, down a buck sixty, eighty six, eighty eight. Brent down a buck sixty seven, ninety two forty three. Natural gas down fifty three cents, eight fifty seven. Arbob down seven cents, two forty five. Gold down again, down seventeen twenty, under seventeen hundred, sixteen ninety one. Silver down eighteen cents, nineteen thirty eight. A copper down three cents, three forty eight. Last time gold got down here, it was a buy. Now that doesn't mean it's a buy this time. I'm just saying the last time it was. Uh, crypto, a uh, bitcoins up two twelve twenty thousand one one zero. So back over 20,000, and we've got the U.S. dollar. Let's let's say we've got the euro dollar is 0.9983. So it's still under under one dollar, which is again very rare. And the pound is under a dollar 15 at 1.148. So dollar strong. That's why, that's why gold is down. And what do you got for us, Trevor? Other sports. All right, it is 7:35 in Chicago on Thursday the 15th. Uh, last night in sports and MLB, Cubs beat the Mets six to three. And the Diamondbacks came out on top over the Dodgers 5-3. Today, the White Sox are playing the Guardians at 12.10 p.m. For weather in Chicago, it is clear and sunny skies, currently at 60 degrees, and it's going to be a high of 83 and a low of 60. Now for Phoenix, it is mostly clear at 78 degrees, with a high of 97 and a low of 77. For Chicago traffic, on the northbound Stevenson, uh, the accident mentioned earlier looks to be clear, but traffic is still heavy between Route 171 and Cicero Avenue. On the Tri-State Tollway going north, an accident near the ramp from US 20 West is causing very heavy delays over there. And with that, traffic is built on the inbound roads as usual, but specifically with very heavy delays today on both sides of the Kennedy. That is all we got today. Back to you, Chief. Well, that's enough. Enough you can always turn back and play golf. It's a nice day. Oh, yeah. We have Mr. Flanagan. You do indeed. And good morning, Andrew. Sorry I guessed your name wrong. <laughs> oh, that is all right. Oh, God. Would you think he was <laughs> think he was Little Matt? We have Little Matt and Big Matt. No, we got Andrew. We got all kinds of guys. But the, uh, um, John, how are you? Are I'm fine, Tom. How about you? All right. Are you working on your excuse to not show up tonight? No, I'm uh, working on the basement. I mean, that's... <laughs> So that's your official. That's coming along pretty well, so it looks right. like a go. So. Looks like a go. So, uh, yeah. well, I told the boys last night I gave you a sixty percent chance, which is higher than I usually do. You know? <laughs> Just saying. Uh, so what, what do you what do you make of all this? I I got a, I got a, the guy that I took the uh, my my concealed carry class from. Of course, I haven't done anything with it. Yet, you know, even filed the thing, but uh, typical. Um, he supposedly knows the guy who writes the Hey Jackass. I got to call him and say you got to start doing a. a you can't just do the hour by hour on the weekends anymore. You got to do it by the day. Yeah. yeah, I think that's that's been a kind of a, a gap in in the effectiveness of that site, just because it doesn't it doesn't tell the whole story and it doesn't give people kind of the information that we need given this climate now where stuff's happening all the time. Um, yeah, the uh, well, there were 
Tuesday night, what, nine people shot in uh, Washington Park, right? Washington Park, yeah, two dead. Yeah, two dead at 6.45. By the way, for those that don't remember, that's where we were supposed to put the Olympic the right. Olympic arena, right? Uh, yep. Unbelievable. And then last night, I get in the car to drive home, minding my own business. you got to avoid North North and Halsted, big shooting there, too. It's 3.30 in the afternoon. A couple of guys jump out of a Jeep Cherokee. You know, I, I told a story months ago about my buddy who was getting his oil changed at uh, uh, the, the, what is it, the Quick quick Lube or something, by right by me at North Avenue in like Sheffield. So the guy pulls his car out of the place, you know, in front, so he moved the next car in, and meanwhile my buddy's paying, he looks out and goes, hey, where the hell's my car? Two guys in a Jeep Cherokee, it must be the, 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 the uh, car of choice for people just driving around the city looking for mayhem, and they, and they drove away with the guy's car. Now this guy in North Avenue, and right where the Clybourne stop is, where the Apple store, how many cameras do you think are there, are supposed to be there, for that we okay. pay for? So the guy gets out and tried to rob this 86-year-old guy. The mayor of Harvey, who has a, evidently an armed detail with him, they try to stop it, the guy pulls out a gun, all of a sudden there's this Old West shootout where all these people are. That Apple store is incredibly crowded. Fortunately, nobody gets hit. They shoot the window out of the back of the Jeep. Guess what? Nobody arrested. My attorney buddies last night tell me, what are, how many shootings last weekend? I think about up here. I have the hate jackass. Uh, not one arrest. Seven killed, 28 wounded. 35 people shot, and, and not one arrest. John, wh- maybe we need some more cameras or something. Wh- what are we doing here? Tom, you know, the way it's being spun by the mayor's office and you know, the state's attorney, all these people are saying what a great, great job we're doing um, because, you know, in these... You know, columns. These numbers are down year over year, or, or you know, from ten years ago, whatever. I I don't think they have any clue what what the perception of the average Chicagoan is today. They don't seem to care. But you, you know, nobody looks at crime statistics before they decide what am I going to do tonight if I have to take you know whatever L or Metro train home. What are my odds here? They don't look really at the, at the crime statistics. Particularly, they look at the last time they wrote it. And know what it was like, and they, they read the high-profile stuff that's happening. Not all of which we read about either. Let me tell you, right. <laughs> there's a lot of shootings, a lot of crimes that I, I personally know about that get minimal or zero coverage in the press or on television. So, th- but that's what people use to make decisions about: Do I stick around here? Do I move? Do I close up shop? Well, the ones that Whatever. happen in broad daylight, and let me say, neighborhoods where people are paying a lot of taxes certainly rankle those people. And, and should. Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, uh, when I got my truck rifled two weeks ago in the garage, I... This is freaking Lincoln Park, for God's sake. <laughs> I mean, there's, there's people here that are paid 35000 a year in taxes. <laughs> and, and we, we can't have a policeman around? A couple of blacks have their own private security now. Near me. The, the thing that I really, you know, it, it sticks out in my memory is I, I never saw an angrier police commissioner in Chicago than Eddie Johnson in the days after the Jesse Smollett fiasco, where Johnson took what Smollett was doing um, very personally, as a you know, slap against yeah. the city, the city's reputation, the police department, all the man hours and women hours that had gone into that investigation, and he was sputtering mad. I, but it was a, it was an eloquent speech, and I thought it was about what you'd want to hear from a police commissioner who you know, saw that the city and the department was being yanked around 
you know, by the nose by some idiot from Hollywood. I haven't seen that kind of anger, really, and except maybe in one or two aldermen's case, older person's case. It certainly doesn't, you know, come across in anything Lightfoot says or anything David Brown says these days. Everybody just shrugs their shoulders about it and uh, doesn't seem to think it's that big a problem such that they have to make any kind of change in what's going on. Then you get Pritzker to call in the National Guard because of, you know, migrants being shipped here from down in Texas. And I'm sorry, you know, I, I would say that... <laughs> We, we've got an ongoing problem here that clearly the police, the state police, local police departments are unable to handle. And we've got a state's attorney who isn't even willing to assist them, it seems. And now we're going to call them, you know, the National Guard because of... I'm not saying that we don't need them. I, I think we needed them years ago. Nobody would take it upon them, themselves to call them in. But now, you know, the things that, that make, you know, people like Pritzker and Lightfoot upset, they're just so off the radar for most people. Everybody can always say, where have you been? What do you do? There, isn't, you, there isn't a watch soul. TV? Do you read the newspapers? Do you go out on public transportation? Clearly you don't. So I, I'm just, I kind of have to laugh at it, but it's, but it's, you know, it isn't very satisfying. Well, there's, uh, there are a few people on the extreme right, which I would not accuse you of being, that are convinced in, in some of the, the right-wing rags that every one of these people that comes over the, the border is some kind of drug-infested, disease-infested cretin. I'm going to say that I am in. I feel I'm in no danger from the 150 people with the kids and stuff on these buses that I am comp- compared to other people that I'm worried about. I mean, I, I'm not even. I I'm much more worried since a guy got knifed a block from here last week uh, at 1:30. He's walking along to the train or wherever hell he was going, and they have the two guys on video and still can't find him. Uh, the thought of these one of these people getting off one of these buses that, is, that, that walked two thousand miles to get here uh, in Mexico, I, I don't. I, do you fear them? I don't. <laughs> if that were the real profile, I, I don't think I'd be. I, I wouldn't be any more afraid than I have been since it's been going on. You know, which is a long time now. But a lot of these people, Tom, are not. You know, the struggling people who marched two thousand miles. They're being shipped here by traffickers. They're brought in from other countries besides Central America and Latin America. And what we're doing is fueling a human human trafficking. Well, I know. Actually, one of my people to get here, where they go after that, you know, it may already be part of the deal with the traffickers, and they get sold into some kind of bond. I'm not. I'm not some kind of black market. That's clearly what's happening. Nobody seems troubled by that. You know, the fact that we're we're letting this happen and letting you know crooks profit from it. Doesn't seem to. Well, I mean, <laughs> women, crooks or, profit or from everything. Anybody else? I, w- I would think if you really were interested in saving people or, or preventing them from being victimized, why would you let them fall into the hands of traffickers whose well, sole, you know, job here is to collect as much money the as possible and deliver these people to point A, B, C, or whatever, and that's it. And we're subsidizing that by letting this go well, on. We subsidize. We subsidize every. Every no good Nick thing people do. We every time somebody buys a, a thing of cocaine, you subsidize it for God's sake. Or, or and, and now you got the governments, you know, local governments, asking taxpayers to subsidize it. Uh, you know. Well, I mean, the, the the issues are there's an awful lot of crummy people, crummy places. I heard some story the other, and I got to dig this up. Maybe Andrew can find it. Uh, f- Fifty million people in the world are now enslaved. Either 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 in uh, horrendous marriages that were set up for them, or something in China or some other place. 
or just out and out ownership. Right, but I, the guy. Anyway, what I was getting to is a uh, gentleman in the building here has his uh, his father moved back to Mexico. I think he might have a house down there, but he's been here forever. I mean, everybody's citizen and whatever. Great guy. He was telling me in his town there were some guys that were going to take people up to the border because there isn't enough work down there, and so uh, a lot of the young people, a lot of them ladies, uh, decided they were going to they paid this guy to drive to the border. They were never heard from again. The whole bus is, is gone. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I guess it might be a problem if, if, a, if a busload lands here where we have plenty of room. I mean, I'm not saying we should just, you know, have a million people here. I'm not going down that road. Everybody knows that. But I think the, the problems are on the other end are way worse than they are here, John. I mean, I, think, I, mean, I don't see how these, these, co- these countries, decade after decade, I mean, when you and I were freshmen, the guy who was, uh, he was Tim's roommate. Uh, Tim O'Neill, uh, Kevin's older brother, who ended up being my roommate. Um, Mario, what was his last name? Was it Cardinal? Car- Car- uh, Cardenas. Okay, one well, was something. From Nicaragua, right? Yeah, he's from Nicaragua. And the place was a was a bleep hole back then. I'm not going to get in trouble for saying. But his weren't, wasn't his parents with the opposition, and they were chasing his parents, and yeah. at least they got him out of, out of out of there and got him into Notre Dame. Did he did he end up graduating, or did he have to go back there? I, I don't I don't know what ever happened to him. But I remember he went back for the earthquake. Yeah, I think he graduated. I could be wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't our dorm anymore. I don't think. But anyhow, the, the place was people are dodging, you know, political this and that, and nobody had a real job, and the place was getting aid from someplace, and guys were stealing the aid. God's sake, John, that was 1970. It's still happening. What, how much of that were we funding? Yeah. Um, well, I mean, the, Mose, uh, and the, the war with the Sandinistas, and um, it was, that that really, you know turned into a human rights nightmare just like it did in El Salvador and Guatemala and you name it. I mean, the, the list of countries is long and, the, and you know, our track record here is pretty shameful. Well, I, I don't know that... I'm not sure what you can what you can do about it, though. I mean, it, I mean I, obviously, I, I would love to write the world. Uh, there's a, a lady that I, I, I met a while ago and she's in some... does a lot of interesting business things and, and some people I know have invested in her, but I, I never did. And uh, anyway, she... Um, she was part of some United Nations deal where she has a, a mathematical system that, that I, I don't know, I, I was pretty good at math, uh, uh, John, I was pretty good at calculus and trig and all that other kind of stuff, but all, all, like me well, but there's also parts of math that I'm not, I'm not so good at. It. There's, there's, there's math that doesn't come up with, quote, an answer. There's math that does tracking. There's math that does storage. I mean, these are, these are fields that, you know, they're, they're above my pay grade. Um, Anyway, she has a system where it, it's it's good for tracking stuff. Like if you'd had if you'd had her system on top of the mortgage industry, you could have set it up that whenever a mortgage was defaulted, you could replace it with a mortgage where where you could know exactly where your money is and that kind of stuff instead of these black hole things these guys were selling. Anyway, she she uh, had a deal with the United Nations where they were going to go, and uh, you know one of the problems with with smuggling, especially, especially as everything's in a container. Is figuring out what's in the container, <laughs> and by the way, is it still there when you get to the end? Right. Well, somehow or another, there was this. There's this technology where you could take a picture of the container right through the walls, and not only can tell you that there's something round in there, it can tell you it's a basketball. It's pretty scary. So anyway, they were going to use her system to link all these countries together to where they needed. If it's coming out of Uganda, you, had, you took the picture of it there, and it makes up in New Orleans. If the pictures don't match, you reject it. I mean, you know, way way too long of a story. The bottom line is. United Nations wanted to have a piece of property there where all the con- 
the essentially port was under their their guidance, and they also wanted to be able to put a hospital up there. And they, they essentially wanted a a, a beachhead, with a hospital. It was all going to be done under the United Nations like sports authority, because part of it was going to be soccer fields and things like that, and they were going to budget it through there. Some wacky deal. Anyway, so she's had to make a couple of trips, and she gets to these places. Well, the dictator, every time you you, you know you take a picture of one of these containers, say it's a hundred bucks. Well, dictator wants five bucks in his Swiss bank account. Okay, <laughs> you know I. You know, whatever. I mean, the people here are, are, are bad, but we're not that bad. And, and, and so you, they basically say, well, that's what we got to do. He's not, he's not getting moved out of there. I mean, we're, we're not going to show up with a, four divisions of soldiers and throw them the hell out. So until we don't, we like got to deal with them. So, I mean, we, you know, we look at ourselves here, and you, know, you got to open your eyes. I mean, I, I'm not a world traveler or anything like that, but you got to open your eyes a little bit and say, how horrible are these other places? Why do people want to get out of there so bad? Well, there's reasons. What are there's like there's like seventy million people that are away from their home. I mean, they're on the move, you know. And a hundred of them show up here, and people go, "Oh man, we don't want these hundred people." Well, how many more people do you think the poor guy in Jordan can take? They got more refugees than they do people, right? Yeah, but again, Tom, the reason this this population is so mobile, mobile, you know, that they can make these journeys from, you know, just to, to get from Jordan or Ethiopia or you name it to Europe, let alone to the U.S requires subsidization it requires you know money being pushed into um what, what i consider human trafficking it's to enable people to make a trip when they've got no money of their own and that's you know whose business is benefited by doing that you have a, a population that is difficult by anybody's standards to educate or to assimilate there's no particular reason why they ever will truly assimilate because in some sense they've come here just because they have absolutely no future where they're at, and they're taken advantage of by people from you know the top down and back up again. There's no way for these people ever to really get what we would consider a, a, a set of skills that we want to recruit people for. I'm sorry, um, did, did, I, don't, I don't want to sound harsh or. Well, didn't, didn't people say that about the Irish? Well, you know, but you know, that's when we needed labor. This is when we were trying. No, we're to still people, no, I still, still people. Different objectives, and now we can't, we can't feed the people we got here. Tom. Well, I, I think we, <laughs> we, we can't. We can barely provide, you know, affordable housing for people with you know two, two you know spouses working. There's always a reason to educate yeah. their kids, and you know, there's always a reason to leisure time. We can't do that. Why are we going out now and embracing people? I didn't. So I didn't. Human traffickers. I never. I never. Cut s- of it, and we get stuck with the bill. I never said I wanted a million people showing up on the place. What I'm saying well, is, we got we got 21 million showing. Okay. Well, <laughs> uh, but I mean, they're they're here the same reason why we're here. It's a better but place I, than where I they came from. Being, these are people who do not have a, a, a work ethic like you and I do. They've never worked as you and I have. They never lived in even a, you know a country where you know there were the, the kinds of of assumptions you could make about family structure or, you know, bigamy or anything. These, these are people who do not have what you and I came from. I'm not saying we came from I, uh, great, you know, perfect stock, but I'm, I'm just saying we, we're not, we can't be naive. About I would, I would say that from and what, what they need. To, if you were to, to ask be. me about the Hispanic community, the first thing I'd say is I never found a lazy Hispanic person, and they seem to have a pretty strong family. Oh, wait, I'm, not, I'm not bashing any, yeah. any particular 
but what I'm saying is a lot of the people who are here are not because they oh, have yeah. a dream to be... Well, they had a dream to get out of where they were. Anyway, so... I just, I don't buy that. I see it, you know, in my day-to-day life. A a lot of people want to come here so they can loaf. Well... And they they can do it more easily and, you know, in a more tolerant, you know, (laughs) surrounding than maybe where they came from. But the people that allowed them to come here and pushed it are the ones that we are... Well, we don't... Nobody wants any traffickers. Trafficking and everything else, Tom. I don't don't believe in subsidizing those criminal things. Well, we we subsidize everybody. We... for God, never mind. We we was yeah, well, you know, you know where. Yeah, yeah. but I'm. <laughs> I'm just, I don't want to fight with you about uh, it. All I'm, I'm saying is, we have an awful lot of people in this country who can give loafing lessons. Well, yeah, <laughs> and they're not coming from anyway. So what? what well, we're, we're yeah, we're we're attracting more people than we can handle. Is my only, and we've got some naive, you know dream that everybody's going to get along fine as soon as they come here and we, we prize you know diversity and all these other things and does any, sorry, any th- those have just become like platitudes to me they, they, they translate to economic ruin and chaos now does anybody do you honestly think you know you know put your not, not one side or the other hat on do you think there's any city anywhere that has more open space in it right now than chicago and i've said well, around the world this is from you know a city that had you know Above three million people till 1950. Yeah, and it was d- dense by e- by even you know most urban standards. Yeah, um, um, but, but who are we kidding, Tom? That we're you know we're in a growth mode here now? No, yeah. we're not. We're not at all. And, and by bring, bringing more people in, we're somehow going to be popular. No, it's not going to happen. I, mean, I, I I don't see that there's any long term strategy other than to simply bank. No, no, I, I, I'm with you. On. I I would bet, John, that if you and I, if we, if we decided we would agree for like two minutes on this. If you and I got a shipment, and we had some dough, and we got a shipment, oh, shipment, God, does that sound awful, of 500, I'm talking about families now, from someplace, and we popped them down on the, on the south side, somewhere near a school where, where we could have a cafeteria and stuff, I would bet you that in two years, you and I would have a major thriving community right there. Yes, you had... Reliable police protection. Yeah, well, yeah. Reliable yeah. services. The uh, safe, you know, you know, parking areas. Yep. Uh, you could, that you could walk around and and you know at all hours of the day. But you know, this, these are pipe dreams, Tom. Well, no, but but I mean, somewhere, John, that across the street there'll be five abandoned buildings. We'll buy the deeds to them. In, in three months, with with fifteen people working a day, there's going to be three families in every one of those buildings. And th- this can be done. And it needs to be done by somebody. You can't just well, leave these things. But you're looking at a 75 year plan, given what I see as, as the way things have unfolded, especially on the south and west sides. Well, yeah, but it's I'm saying. It's a constant we, decline for the last 75 years. And only in a few pockets has it shown any evidence of turning around. Well, that's what I'm saying. But let alone, you know, across the board, any kind of change. It's just gotten more. Well, we, we got to. We, this, is, this is what I. And I, I never have to argue you because you're you're a doer. Someplace somebody's got to start and say, "Hey, there's a decrepit school here. There's an old church. What do you say we start right here? And there's and we're gonna we're gonna buy everything we can with the in the four blocks around here, and the, and the buildings that are still standing. We're gonna rehab. We're gonna build all the ones. And guess what? In, inside of three years, there's gonna be two thousand people living here around this. I don't care what religion it is in this school, and we're gonna try and make a community here." Somebody has to do that, John. Or else, what are we doing? We, we, I mean, I, I, if, if it doesn't work, so what? If if you hire maybe private security, 
and had intense you know patrolling and you know uh, gates all over the place so that you, you, not anybody could go. but that isn't what you want either uh, you know what but, if that's, I had but that's the only way you could make it work in this kind John, of John, if I had to put a machine I don't think that's if I had to put a machine I don't, I don't, you know what it would turn into it would be like McMansions stuck in the middle of nowhere with people <laughs> armed you know armed guards everywhere to get to the nearest thoroughfare well, in some, and out of there. Well, that, that's the way it is already in a lot of these cities. Well, someplace, so, somewhere, we're going to have to show more force to the people that are killing people. Well, than that's, that's exactly what I think. Yeah, we have to do where, that. Where is that you know, momentum coming well, from? Well, you know, the first thing i do is i tell all the gangbangers, I'd say, look, these four blacks, don't ever come in here. If you do, you know what, you may not be coming out. <laughs> I mean, I'd have a rat patrol jeep on all four corners. I mean, I, if, it, if it came to that... I care more about those people than I do about the people's right to come in and steal from them. <laughs> could, you, could, you, could you imagine anything like the Magnificent Seven or you know the Seven oh. Samurai taking place in a big city today? Well, you know, I, I don't. We're, we're, I don't we're declaring war on these vagrant crooks. You know, it's you, you've raped and pillaged enough. It's, it's it's payback time, and you're out of here, and we don't want you to come back. I don't hear anybody. I don't see what I, I don't. I can't imagine everybody. Can everybody knows it has to happen, John, and, and nobody wants to say but, it. But we, we pretend, you know, it's going to, but we never do anything about it because we know it's so toxic. Nobody's going to go there. Well, if, if Michael got up and said, "We declare war on gangbangers, specifically this gang, specifically this person," you think that's going to go anywhere? It might make it her head blown off. She knows that too. Well, I mean, I, I I'm not saying I want to be the person to do it, but no. <laughs> but until you do that. Guess who's around right on the show? Well, that's right. SP Futures, what are you... We're going to come back from the big sell-off the other day, or are we just going to limp oh, along God. here? What do you think? I sure hope not. <laughs> yeah, well, it's that, a, that was a day for the record. Yeah. Oh, yeah, it was pretty awful. SP Futures down 6. NASDAQ Futures down 40. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow on Stacks and Jacks. This White Sox, it's a must-win game today. If they lose today, I think you can put a fork in them. they gotta, they got to win this one. We'll be back tomorrow Stacks and Jacks. and futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. HomeSource Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Chiromed. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968.